Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience. And today we bring you the story of Lenny Wilkins, who has been inducted into the Hall of Fame three times. And I mean, just making it to the Hall of Fame once is an incredible honor that extremely few players and coaches ever get to receive. Statistically speaking, the chances of an NBA player making it to the Hall of Fame as either a player or a coach is only 3%. So let me give you the actual numbers. There have been just under 5,000 players who have played at least one game in the NBA. And out of those 5,000 players, around 150 are in the Hall of Fame as either a player or a coach. Every season, there are around seven 70 to 80 rookies that enter the league. On average, around two or maybe three of those rookies will end up in the Hall of Fame when their career is over. Now, the reason I'm telling you about how hard it is to make it to the Hall of Fame is to highlight just how rare and difficult it is to get to that level where one is considered Hall of Fame worthy. Now, take into consideration how difficult it is to make it into the Hall of Fame three times. That is exactly what Lenny Wilkins did. He was born in Brooklyn, New York on October 28, 1937 and he grew up in the Bedford-Stuyvesant neighborhood, better known as Bed-Stuy for short. His father was black and his mother was white, and in the 1940s, that could not have been easy. He attended boys high school in New York and showed a natural talent for the game. And I have said this before, but almost any player that makes it to the NBA is simply better than everybody else when they were in high school. His quickness, his jump shot, his understanding of the game was a step ahead of almost everyone else. And that got him a scholarship to Providence College, where he continued to develop his skills. He was never very tall. He was only six foot one or 185 centimeters but there was virtually no defender who could stay with him. He led Providence to their very first NIT appearance in 1959. Back then, making it to the NIT was an honor. The NIT was a very prestigious tournament back then. This was back in the day when some teams preferred to play in the NIT instead of the NCAA tournament because the NIT always had its final four in Madison Square Garden in New York City, where a team could get lots of press coverage. For an encore, Wilkins led Providence all the way to the NIT championship in 1960. Now, that went to the championship game. Unfortunately, they were not able to finish it. However, he was considered one of the top players in the nation, and he was sure to be a top pick in the 1960 NBA draft. Now, back then, the NBA only had eight teams, so the entire first round of the draft was just eight picks. The first pick was a no-brainer. The Cincinnati Royals took Oscar Robertson, the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. With the second pick, the Los Angeles 
Angeles Lakers took Jerry West. A few more picks went by, and then the sixth pick in the draft came to the St. Louis Hawks, and they drafted Lenny Wilkins. Now, what is interesting about this pick is that just four years earlier in 1956, the St. Louis Hawks had a chance to draft Bill Russell, but then traded that pick to the Boston Celtics. They felt that in 1956, the St. Louis fans would not buy tickets to see a black player as the star of the team. But then in 1960, just four years later, they drafted a black player. Now, he had a bit of a slow start for a first round pick. He averaged 12 points, four rebounds, and three assists per game in his rookie season. Those were decent numbers, but not enough to make anyone believe that he had a future Hall of Famer on your hands. In his second season, he increased his scoring average to 18 points per game as a full-time starter, and he was improving and adjusting well to the level of play in the NBA. By his third season, he was named to his first All-Star game, and he continued to maintain a high level of play and was named to the All-Star team five times in his first eight seasons. The reason that we do not talk about Lenny Wilkins is because even in his time, he was a bit overshadowed at the guard position. Now, don't get me wrong, Lenny Wilkins deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but even in the NBA of his day, he happened to play at the same time as guys like Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, Sam Jones, and Hal Greer. That is tough to stand out when you're in that crowd. After eight seasons in the NBA with the Hawks, they decided to make a trade. There was a brand new expansion team in the NBA that had just finished its very first season and were looking to upgrade at the guard position. Because Wilkins had played four years of college, he was 22 years old during his rookie year and 30 years old after eight seasons. He was starting to get older, but still had a lot of gas in the tank. This was a perfect time to trade him if you were the Hawks. Now, the brand new team was the Seattle Supersonics. They needed a guy like Wilkins with his experience and his caliber of play. I mean, the guy was still playing at an all-star level, even if he was starting to get a little bit older. So the Hawks sent Wilkins to Seattle in exchange for Walt Hazard. Now, in his first year with the Sonics, Wilkins was selected to the all-star game yet again, proving that he still had it. But that first year, with the Sonics also got ownership thinking. Wilkins was obviously a great player, but his grasp of the game and strategy were what really impressed them. So they had an idea. Why not make Wilkins the head coach as well as a player? Well, this is a good place to take a break and I'll be right back with the coaching career of Lenny Wilkins. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row One catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row One Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Hi, everybody. Dan and Andrew from Hello Old Sports here. We wanted to drop in and let you know about our latest episode. That's right. We interviewed the co-authors of Phyllis George, Shattering the Ceiling, a biography of groundbreaking broadcaster Phyllis George. 
And her life is really sort of a journey through 20th century America, from Miss America pageants to the Kentucky State House to the groundbreaking NFL Today show on CBS, even the Kentucky Colonels, the old ABA. We got into all sorts of stories about the Celtics under Red Auerbach, about the interview with Roger Staubach, about really all sorts of things, a fight between Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek. We really enjoyed talking with Lenny Shulman and Paul Volponi, who teamed up to write this book. The book is on sale right now wherever books are sold, you know, within reason. Garage sales, probably not. So go (laughs) ahead and pick up a copy today. And if you want a chance to win the book, you can go to sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways and register for a chance to win. Goodbye, old sports. Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the story of Lenny Wilkins. Just before the break, Wilkins was traded to the Seattle Supersonics from the St. Louis Hawks. In his first year with the Sonics, he made the All-Star game for the sixth time, but the owners thought that he would also make a good head coach. So that is how his coaching career got started. For the 1969-70 season, he was the All-Star point guard and head coach of the Seattle Supersonics. As the coach, he had a 36-46 and record for that first year. Now, that is not horrible considering that it was only the Sonics' third season of existence. I mean, it takes time for an expansion team to become competitive, and you can look through history at teams like the Charlotte Hornets, Memphis Grizzlies, Miami Heat, and Minnesota Timberwolves, and you will see that they all languished at the bottom of the standings for years before they were able to compete on an equal footing with the top teams in the league. One of the very few exceptions was the Orlando Magic when they had the good fortune of drafting Shaquille O'Neal to start their fourth season in the league. Another exception was the Milwaukee Bucks when they drafted Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to start their second season of existence. And in just two years later, the Bucks were the NBA champions in 1971. My point is that Lenny Wilkins was doing an admirable job in his first year as head coach. Now, it is just that he did not have the players other than himself to really compete with the teams like the Lakers and the Hawks who were at the top of the West standings. However, as a player, it was another great year for Wilkins. He was named an All-Star for the seventh time, and he was still playing at a very high level considering all the time and energy that it took for him to be a head coach. He did this for a couple of more years, and by that I mean he continued to struggle to win games as a coach, while as a player, he continued to go to All-Star games as one of the top guards in the league. However, at the end of the 1972 season, the Sonics decided to trade him to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just like when he arrived in Seattle, the Cleveland Cavaliers were going into their third season in the NBA and desperately needed a top point guard, having an all-star player who was going to lift the team immediately. But Wilkins had to hang up his coaching whistle. In Cleveland, he was just a player. And he made the all-star team yet again in his first year in Cleveland in 1973. Now, being that he was the main guy for that Cleveland team, he had one of the best seasons statistically. He scored 20 points and dished out over nine assists per game. Now, it was a Amazing that he was still doing that at the age of 35, but that was his final All-Star game. He played a second year for Cleveland, and then he was on the move again. Another relatively new team wanted Wilkins as both a player and a coach, and actually, they wanted him mostly as a coach. The Portland Trail Blazers would be Wilkins' final stop as a player. In Portland, he got to be teammates and coach for a very young and healthy Bill Walton. Now, they had a losing season at 38 and 44 for the 1975 season, and the management of the Trailblazers asked Wilkins to stay on as head coach, but to hang up his sneakers as a player. So after one season as only the coach in Portland, he was fired. The team was just not performing to the expectations of the ownership. In retrospect, the move did make some sense. The Trailblazers replaced Wilkins with Jack Ramsey, who won the whole championship the following year. After just a year out of the NBA 
the Seattle Supersonics came calling and wanted Wilkins to be their head coach again, but just a head coach this time. And on this time, it all came together for Wilkins. In his first year back with Seattle, he went to the NBA Finals in 1978, but lost to the Washington Bullets. However, he led the team right back to the Finals in 1979 in a rematch with the Bullets, except this time, the Sonics won. And he was on top of the world as the head coach of the best team in the NBA. Unfortunately for Wilkins, that would be his last time in the NBA Finals. Through no fault of his own, it just happened that following his championship season, two new rookies joined the league who defined the NBA of the 1980s. Right after the Sonics championship, the NBA saw the arrival of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and they would have a stranglehold on the finals as one or both of those guys played in every single finals of the 1980s. Seriously, you can look it up. The Lakers and Celtics, or both, played in every single NBA finals of the 1980s. In the meantime, Lenny Wilkins continued to grind away as the coach of the Sonics. And when I say grind, I do not mean that in any negative way. What I mean to say is that he was a coaching lifer. Wilkins was the kind of guy who just loved being coach and would give it his full effort every season, no matter how much talent he had on his squad. He was the kind of coach that punched the clock and got busy with the work of coaching. And I admire that kind of an approach. Now, he was fired from Seattle in 1985, and after a year off, he went back to the Cavaliers and coached them for seven years. And it was then that the Atlanta Hawks called and he went to coach for seven years for them. Now, what is funny at this point is that he was the head coach of all the same teams that he had played for. But in the year 2000, he was named the head coach of the Toronto Raptors, the first team that he coached that he did not play for at some point in the past. After three years with the Raptors, he capped off his coaching career with two seasons leading the New York Knicks. And that was the last time that he coached a team. He then rejoined the Seattle Supersonics as a member of the ownership group and as a vice president, but then resigned after two years. He has since appeared as a broadcaster for college basketball. But I want to take us back a bit to the night of March 1st, 1996, when Wilkins was still coaching the Atlanta Hawks. At the time, Red Auerbach was still number one on the all-time list of coaching victories with 938 total wins in the NBA. Now, going into that game, Wilkins was tied with Auerbach. His Hawks defeated the Cavaliers 74 to 68 and Wilkins became the new all-time leader in coaching victories. And I remember watching the highlights of that game and someone presenting Wilkins with a cigar to honor Auerbach. Wilkins took one big puff of that cigar and smiled from ear to ear. After he broke the coaching wins record, he continued to coach in the NBA for nine more seasons. And when he finally resigned from the Knicks in 2005, he had amassed 1,332 coaching victories in 32 years as an NBA head coach. Even today, he is still number three on the all-time coaching victories list, having been passed by Don Nelson and Greg Popovich, who is the current record holder and who is still an active coach with the San Antonio Spurs. For his time as a player, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1989, and that was a well-deserved honor. In 1998, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame as a coach, also a well-deserved honor. So how did he get into the Hall of Fame a third time? I mean, at the top of the episode, I said that Wilkins was a three-time Hall of Famer. Well, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame also has a category for teams. And in that category, the Hall of Fame inducted the 1992 United States Olympic Dream Team. Now, that was a team that featured Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Scottie Pippen, Clyde Drexler, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Chris Mullen, and Christian Leitner. They completely destroyed all competition at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Well, Lenny Wilkins 
was one of the assistant coaches on that team. And that is how he got into the Hall of Fame for a third time. Did I mention that he was also the head coach of the United States Olympic team when they won the gold medal in 1996 in Atlanta? Well, you can add that to his resume. All in all, Lenny Wilkins achieved the highest levels of performance both as a player and a coach, and that is extremely rare. Only five people are in the Hall of Fame as both a player and a coach, and that list consists of John Wooden, Bill Sharman, Tom Heinsohn, Bill Russell, and Lenny Wilkins. That is incredible company. So when we talk about some of the greatest point guards in NBA history, Lenny Wilkins needs to be part of the conversation. Now, I'm not saying he is the best. In my opinion, Magic Johnson is the greatest point guard of all time. But when talking about the top 15 point guards ever, Wilkins is definitely in that conversation. Now today, he is comfortably retired and still with us at age 85. Well, that is it for today. Join us next time when we share the story of Sonny Vaccaro and his ABCD camp. Vaccaro is the guy who came up with the idea for the Air Jordan shoe, and his camp helped change the way that high school basketball players are evaluated by top college coaches. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts, and check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon.